I'm Leslie Torres. And I'm Bronna Marks. And together we co-host West Coast Mix and Bounce. For all things West Coast NBA. That's right. We cover the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and yes, the Kings and the Suns. When there's something good to talk about. We have a new and fun episode every two weeks where we break down the craziest headlines in the NBA that pertain to the West Coast teams. We are such a niche podcast that you won't find anywhere else. I mean, two girls with experience in the field talking West Coast basketball. Um, yeah, you want to listen. This is West Coast Mix and Bounce brought to you by LAFB Network. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. I'm sure you know the season just started. So much going on already. And uh, the Pacific Division is really showing out, really doing its thing. Um, and I think they're growing, obviously, from last <laughs> from last season. But, you know, uh, before we get to all of the numbers and facts and everything... Uh, Leslie and I obviously wanted to discuss the Robert Sarver situation in mm-hmm. Phoenix. Uh, Leslie, how did you, you know, ESPN did that whole big um, interview and investigation thing, yes. and now the NBA is doing their own investigation. So how do you see this playing out? Uh, first of all, it's just it, whatever. First of all, it was a big article with a lot of allegations and accusations, and it's not looking good. If any of these come out as correct, and I just feel like it sucks for the Suns because they have gotten so far to the eighth seed from going from the like in the eighth seed team to like in the Western Conference Finals, and uh, for this to happen to them now, I just feel like it's such such a trap. Like so, it's so bad for them. It's such a tragedy for them. I think like we should be yeah. focusing on basketball and the things that are pertaining to basketball. But there's so much extra noise on the outside that it's not even allow- allowing us to get there. And there was some serious stuff said about um, the Suns owner and how he kind of ha- has created this kind of toxic envi- work environment, at least within the Suns organization. So I just it does not look good. And at least if one accusation comes out as truth. Because it looks like they have, I mean, ESPN is very reputable. I doubt yeah. they're going to be making some accusations here and there that don't coincide with it. I don't, I don't know. It's just too, it was a lot. It was too much. What do you think, Bronna? Yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, it's not surprising because you kind of have seen this pattern over years uh, where these big owners and these big higher ups, a lot of the times in the sports industry, um, turning out to have these toxic, very toxic traits that trickle down. Um, and it's usually involved around one racism, uh, racism towards black people specifically, because when you have when you own something that is 70 percent black involved already, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there are trickles back to Jim Crow. There are trickles all the way back to slavery with that idea. And these people, these white men think they're untouchable Mm -hmm. they don't think that anything will happen to them they could say whatever they want and all they have to say is i didn't say that for them to get away with it and for the past 17 years as an owner of the sons he has gotten away with it um 
And it's just very interesting. I think what something was very ironic that stuck out to me is that this is the second organization that Chris Paul has been a part of where a big owner or leader has come down, obviously Donald Sterling as owner of the Clippers. Mm -hmm. He was there when all of that happened, and you see like him and Devin Booker responding to media, and they're like, oh, you know, we just got to focus on basketball. We have to be united as a team and stuff like that. And obviously they can't say too much legally, but I feel like you can tell as a player, uh, you know, what's going on behind the scenes it was one of the coaches uh Watson who actually mm-hmm. came out and said the most yeah. about Sarver so it's just kind of like you know that the players are involved even if they, if they can't say they're involved you know I totally agree I, I was like looking through all the accusations because I feel like at least somebody a lot of people had something to say you know about him and it's just like if there's that many people that have felt at least maybe not racism, maybe not misogyny, but something from you, like you're, mm-hmm. you're sus, you're creepy. And I feel like even yeah. the one, okay, I was reading through the article, it was a lot to get through. And then there was a story of how he pantsed somebody. And I'm yep. like, okay, that's like neither, like that's not even racism. Wow. That's not misogyny. That's just embarrassment. Like, why would you embarrass people? Like, yeah, who, and the whole... Who, who told you passing, that was okay? Passing <laughs> so that, the picture around of his wife and yes, a bikini. Yes. And he tried to explain it in, in a way it was like, oh, it was for advertising. So not only did you embarrass the office by acting like this, you embarrassed your wife yeah. by passing around her body as an advertisement. Like, how does that make it any better? And then <laughs> we're supposed to believe you didn't do the other, like, more serious stuff? Yeah. Mm, seriously. It, does not, it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. And it I'm, starts go the ahead. small things. Yeah, and I'm, you know what? And I'm glad they finally spoke up, but I feel like this is, I don't know, maybe it doesn't have to do with basketball, but I think it's very, like, kind of speaks to what the United States is going as a whole, as a nation. Like, we, yeah. I feel like we are kind of done with toxic work environments. We have given enough to work. And I'm yeah. really, honestly, I'm really proud of the people that work there and have spoken up because it could be scary because you don't know if you're going to be, like, blackmailed or you're going to be like, oh, now you don't have a job with the Suns. You have no job with anybody in the league. And what if, like, mm-hmm. this was your stepping stone? You know, it's just a lot. It's a lot. And it sucks that people had to go through that. And for him to be so, well, I didn't know, so ignorant about it. Yeah. Rubs me the wrong way either. Like, you, if you're going to do it, you might as well say you did it and, like, move on. But I feel like he's he's, he's trying to hold on to the Suns. Of course. And if the investigation, because now the NBA is investigating, like we said, if it comes back like he did anything of that, I think he's going to have to be forced to sell. Yeah. No, the, and we, we learned with the Donald, the Donald yeah. Sterling, situation, Sterling situation that the NBA doesn't play. Like, once they have a hard evidence piece linked back to you, know, obviously Sterling kind of outed himself in the in the more obvious way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sarver still sticking with this story of, you know, I didn't do it, and he has colleagues, and, you know, whatever close friends or alliances that are also repeating him oh he would never say anything like that you know he that's not his values and stuff like that so he has more of a defense towards him even though 
even though a multitude of people <laughs> um, mm-hmm. have, have said similar things about his attitude and the way he acts, you know, there's still like with the law, like it has to be physical evidence or, but I'm sure if all those people experience those things, there has to be, somebody has to have an email, a letter, a drawing, something that mm-hmm. he did that you can identify that he really did in a physical piece. And when they found that out, you know, he may have to be banned for life. Um, and force to sell a team like uh, like Sterling faced or or maybe he's something even harsher because I feel like with that sort of statement the NBA was like we're not going to put up with this period yeah like you know and for him to have lasted 17 years and if, when he's found out I really think it's just a matter of when at this point it's it it's it he's toast so he could stick to his line story if he wants but yeah I just <laughs> consequences, I, are consequences I agree I just I just how can you, like, say, oh, well, I did do this, but I didn't do that, and it's just, like, mm, doesn't kind of align with the kind of person you're trying to, per- like, pertain to be. So, I mean, I've never really had any instances with him, but I think it also depends, like, on who is defending him. Is it, like, yeah. his lower-level staff who's going against him, or is it, like, you know, the ones that you're closer with, maybe you do treat him nicer. Maybe you've never had to encounter that kind of side of him because you were at, at a certain level that he respected and wasn't going to talk back to you or wasn't going to be behaving in a demeaning way or you know it just I feel like it takes a lot but I feel like it was such a big article with so much information so many accusations that it's kind of impossible for you to believe some and not all yeah exactly I just think Um, yeah I agree with you he's done and I feel bad for the Suns because this is not where they want to be as a team for like the players to have to deal with all this extra stuff uh, absolutely, and the last thing they want to do at their jobs too <laughs> is be convoluted by what's going on mm-hmm. in, the, in the front office or or in the background behind what they're supposed to be doing, which is focusing on winning, which they have been doing mm-hmm. <laughs> because they are currently on a four-game win streak. They are. They're fourth in the West, I believe. So not that I, bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. Yep, yep, they're fourth right now, which is uh is good for a team that is I feel like coming off of that sour ending to their season, you know, not winning the championship, getting so so close they could taste it and then um it kind of being pulled from under their feet and uh they they look good. I feel like their first few games they stumbled a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody was playing to their full caliber. I feel mm-hmm. like they really did show kind of some of that lag like we had a long season it didn't go our way, so we're not playing uh, top-notch. But I, I think this four-game win streak is going to prove probably otherwise because, I mean, they the Suns are a shooting team, right? Yeah. <laughs> and their shooting was was garbage <laughs> over those, those first few games. I mean, 27% from three-point line, 46% from field goal range. That was against Sacramento. Uh, th- this is not the kind of Suns that we're used to seeing yeah no I agree and also like before this before they went on this week um this streak I was like okay well what's happening but you know they also did win against the Pelicans the Rockets and the Hawks are probably the better team that they beat which was a positive for them but I also feel like you're right like they I feel like they're like learning each other again like figuring out the little kinks here and there and to beat easy teams that you're like meant to beat it's like it's going to happen for them. And their bench has is really kind of, like, pulled up and, like, got in solid because I think DeAndre Aiden was out and then who else? Let me see. Cameron Payne were both out. 
for these yeah. for these last four games. So I'm just like the bench has really came up and taken responsibility, and we're like we're not gonna lose. They really are trying, and I feel like that's what they should be focusing on. I hope none of this extra stuff interferes. And right. um, I don't know. I think they're they're pretty. They were okay. I was ready to give them like you know my God, what's happening? This is gonna ruin them. And then yes. they went on a four game winning streak, and I was like, okay, never mind. They shut me up real quick. <laughs> yeah, super panic, and, and now they look back to normal. You know, Booker just had thirty eight points versus Atlanta, like yeah. in true Booker fashion. You know, Paul is at he had eighteen points versus the I'm sorry, eighteen assists versus uh, the Pelicans. So you kind of seeing the the not their nature kind of return to themselves. Um, but along with their play, you know, obviously with the Sarver situation, and then you have Aiden who uh, was never, never came to a conclusion with his max rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that obviously affected the team. The media was asking about it. Chris Paul had mentioned, you know, he knows what he has to do mm-hmm. uh, or, or something of that sort. Um, I, I think in a way to say, you know, they want him to play harder. And we have talked about Aiton not playing as hard as we think that he can play. I feel like he had a breakout season, obviously, with them going to the championship. Uh, but I, I feel like in the Suns organization, you know, if they're going to pay you, they want you to play the hardest that you can play. Do I think it's right? No, I don't think it's right. But I'm sure they made that kind of situation out of it. You know what? Like, I don't want to read into stuff, but I will. <laughs> so <laughs> when when Adrian Wojnarowski, um tweeted about, uh, like, the whole DeAndre Aiden and that um, his contract, it, they didn't want to give it that they didn't want to give him that extension. I feel like in his tweet, he mentioned, he said, like, Aiden expected a max contract, and owner Robert Sarver hasn't offered it. So I was like, mm. Mm. to me, it's kind of, like, shady. I don't know maybe if Woj knew about this article coming out or if it's really, like, that specific. Like, Sarver was the one that didn't want to offer it. Usually they say, like, oh, you know, him and the GM, him and the team couldn't come to a conclusion or, like, their agents were talking or, like, you know, but I'm yeah. just like, this is fair. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I was just like, well, what if it is him doing, like, some background work? And it's like, is it positive or is it a negative at this point? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. they're not looking bad. They're doing good. They're 5-3. and three. They have gone on a four-game winning streak. So it's not bad, but it's not great either. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think they're at an awkward spot in the season. They are. But yeah. I feel like for where they are, they're they're holding up pretty well. Agree. <laughs> um, you know, and Chris Paul, you know, another accolade that they can be celebrating is Chris Paul just moves up um, into third all-time assist totals. Um, yes. And he jumps other players with his amount of uh, assists, which is, is amazing. That's, that's something should be celebrated. Yeah. And then the fact that we can't even start with that conversation, we have to start about something else, is indicative of what is happening with them. So I just feel like if they can continue to be, like, continue that bench effort, continue to play smart, and, like, keep that outside noise, like, literally outside their minds and not interfere with their game, they should be okay basketball-wise. But who knows? Because I feel like if, at the end of the day, if Sarver is going to be forced to sell... There's going to be drama. Who's going to buy it? Does he want to? Is he going to put lawyers involved? Who? What the players have to say? What do they think? So I just feel like it's too much for the start of the season. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's very overwhelming. But 
again, they, you know, you, you've seen other teams in the Pacific Division go through these awkward situations yes. with ownership and stuff like that. And a lot of them have not played well in those seasons. Uh, but for the start, there's hope yet that they can, as obviously this is going to continue throughout this season. This is just the beginning with the Sarver situation. Um, so as long as they can keep that mentality that we're here to play basketball, uh, we did our jobs with whatever went down with that, and, you know, we're focused on winning. Um, so I, I'm hoping the best for the Suns, and I'm hoping that obviously everybody gets justice because nobody deserves to be treated in oh, that way. I totally agree. I totally agree. Hopefully they figure it out. So, but besides the Suns, who are on a on a rocky road right now, we have our best team in the Pacific standings, Golden State. The Lakers? The- oh, no, what? <laughs> <laughs> Not the They're- Lakers. Not the Lakers. Like, no, no, Golden State. They've only lost one game right now. This is their best start to a season since 2017, and if you don't remember, that's the year they won the chip. So... The Warriors are out hot to start, and they don't even have Clay yet, which is insane. It is. It's crazy how good. I mean, did I expect them to be good? Yes. This good? No. I was like, wow. Like, they really put their on it because I feel like maybe last at the end of last season, we kind of saw them get into a little rhythm. And then the fact that it has been able to push forward to this season is, one, they need to deserve props. And two, they have their bench got a lot better. They have a good mixture, I think, now of veterans and young players. So I kind of think they've taken advantage of like the teams that they have to beat, which are like teams like the Rockets, the Pelicans, the Kings. Like, oh yeah, the Kings. And like, so they've beaten those kind of teams. Is beaten a word? Yes. <laughs> they've beat. Yeah, they've beat those kind of teams, and they're, like, supposed to. So I'm just, like, I feel like they're doing better than expected. And then, like you mentioned, and Clay has still not even came back. So I feel like they're kind of getting into a rhythm with one another, learning to play with one another, and have a good sense of leadership with guys like Curry, with guys like Draymond Green, and, like, Iguodala. So I feel like... I see positivity, and I'm just like, wow, are we, are we back in 2015, 2016? Like, what is this cultural reset we needed? What's happening? <laughs> no, for real, though. And, and the numbers are, you know, honestly amazing. You know, Steph is leading with his 26 semi-points a game. Mm-hmm. Draymond has really stepped up. I feel like he kind yes. of filtered out last season or the season prior he he didn't seem fully there but now they're he's leading the team and all the their top defensive stats and rebounds per game steals per game blocks per game he's there I feel like he's found his voice um and he's starting to really focus on developing that mm-hmm. and then you have four players who are averaging double digits just to start the season and this doesn't include obviously like Curry this includes Poole Wiggins, um, Damian Lee. So he has their shooters on the team, mm-hmm. and it's not just Steph, and they're all developed, and they're all confident in their shot, and then boom, you have an 8-1 star on the season. It's amazing. And, they, and like, I feel like also the veterans have kind of helped, so I think they did kind of switch things up a little bit. Like Gary Payton, he was Gary Payton the second. He had so much, like, 
what a great dunk first of all in that one game. Oh my god. And then the fact there. the the fact that like the mentality is there like okay, I just finished this awesome ass dunk. I'm not going to celebrate straight into defense mode. And I was just yeah. like, "What?" Sir, but like that's the mentality of the Warriors. That's their their like culture in a way. And I feel like that's what the Warriors are very good at, like kind of putting this culture forward at least for the teams where they all really like to play with one another where it's just like yes, I'm going to win for my teammates and I'm going to win for myself. So I feel like that is kind of also crucial to it. But obviously you have to have talent for that to go well, and they have the talent. And Clay is not even on the team yet. Uh, I'm not worried about his return. I just feel like he's very much like a catch-and-shoot player, right? So you can put him anywhere. He'll catch it and he'll shoot it. So exactly. <laughs> it's not really a problem. Maybe he might be just rusty because it's all it's been, what, more than a year like 18 months yeah oh psh. imagine there you go since he's actually played an, a game so maybe he might be rusty on that end but i feel like thompson is only gonna make the warriors better and exactly. scarier yeah and even he doesn't really have to do much on this team <laughs> yeah. honestly he could really just stick to his stop and shoot technique mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to worry about exploding down the floor or getting to the basket or you know uh crossing everybody out like he could really just be that true shooting guard um and and fit perfectly into the puzzle right now but I think what's even more amazing is that they their defense is just as good as their offense every single team that they have played against their shooting percentages of the opponents has been under 30 percent from three point and under 40 percent from field goal range, mm-hmm. which is saying something for you know teams like L- um, teams like <laughs> LA and teams like Charlotte and teams like Houston that they have true shooters also on their team. You've seen these teams compete and you know uh, and score really well. So obviously the Warriors are suffocating these teams on both sides of the floors. I think so too. Like and defense is so like. We forget about defense sometimes, but you can tell, at least with the Warriors, how crucial it's been. And then you can tell, like, with other teams, like the Lakers, how they Mm. lack defense (laughs) and why they're not enough to a good start either, you know? Exactly. Yeah, and I I think that really leads perfectly into our (laughs) next conversation, which is obviously talking uh, currently about the Lakers. And also just wanted to note one other thing that the Warriors are – obviously number one in the Western Conference right now, too, and they're mm-hmm. ahead by several games. So I, I, I think that's just important to know. But, yes, let's talk about the mess of <laughs> the L.A. Lakers. They are. They are currently 10th. Tenth. Tenth. Yeah. Jesus. Well, how, did, how did we go from such a positive to, like, 10th? I don't know. Uh, uh. But anyways. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, no, you tell us. Tell us what you think. I just took these notes, you know, a few days ago, and they were, they were like, fifth, and then they moved up, and then they moved back down. So, obviously, you could tell that it's cha- it's chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least for the Western Conference, it's always been a close race. They've always stayed close within one, one another. So, I feel like it's only, like, how many games? Let me see. Three, four games. So, it's not a lot, a lot of games back. But, like, that's how close they are in the conference. Anyways, though, should the Lakers be doing this bad? I don't know. I'm kind of getting scared. I was not scared, but I am a little scared. But I'm not. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. I I think it's really laughable how chaotic it is. (laughs) I think when you have a team that has so much talent, like raw talent on it, veteran talent, young talent, it just 
It's just like too much talent. <laughs> it's, it's too much in a way. Like everybody wants to shine, but you can't all shine the same. Mm-hmm. And if somebody outshine, they outshine the entire team. <laughs> and it's just like that's not how wins work. You know, there has to be some kind of balance. Um, and I, I think nobody has understood their role yet. Maybe except for Melo. Like Melo's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a- bench and I'm gonna put up like 17 you're welcome and then I'm gonna go sit down <laughs> that's <laughs> and perfect is there for and I think that's so perfect but everybody else they confused <laughs> that makes total sense like Carmelo's like I'm here just to shoot and that's what I'm here for and then and that's what he does which is like fucking perfect because that's what his exactly. role is you are so right I feel like maybe it's been too yeah, I don't know. Maybe they all need to have, like, a meeting. Like, who's going to come up what day? Like, who's going to show off this game? Like, can we just make a schedule or something? Because they have so much talent. And it's, like, and they produce points. It's just, like, they kind of can't win or they let the win go sometimes, which I think goes back to, like, the little things and to defense. Like, so yeah. we really wouldn't be in the situation if y'all didn't turn the ball over that much. Or we wouldn't really be in the situation if you guys play defense. So I feel like that's kind of a conversation that needs to happen within the Lakers. Obviously, the coaching staff. Because, I mean, that's their job. But, like, regardless, yeah. like, against, let's like, say, the, against the Cavs, LeBron had 26, 8 assists and three rebounds in that same game ad had 15 in that same game westbrook had 19 in that same game carmelo had 24 so like offensively they're making it happen it's just when it comes to the little things and i think defense it's what's kind of sending them back and of course they lost a lot of their good defense when they lost kcp when they gave up caruso when they Mm -hmm. gave up montrose del herald so obviously like the defensive side has been down but like if that's the part you need to focus on get to it focus to focus please focus i think it's just gonna go back at least for the lakers to just go back to fundamentals and be healthy because now it's looking like lebron james is gonna be out for who knows how long who knows how long yeah and that's another issue that they're dealing with the Mm -hmm. injuries and then what's so funny is it's injuries to the players that were already there and and the team is supposed to be built around, but they're not playing. Like, it's the same situation that's happened with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Like, it's either Paul George or Kawhi, but it's never really both of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, now you have the same situation happening in L.A. where it's like it's A.D. or LeBron, but it's not really both of them. And I feel like that imbalance where, where your core, center core of your team um, is, is not playing, how, how do you adjust? But also, they still haven't even really adjusted to them being in the lineup. So, again, Correct. there's just a whole bunch of chaos. And if if you just look at this Blazers game, I'm sorry, it's just so funny. Uh, <laughs> the bench outscored the starters 56 to 24. Nobody in the starting lineup had more than eight points, and that was Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... You see the complete imbalance. Like, um, I, I think there was one game that I looked at, and um, Russell Westbrook may have had like, or or AD, either one of them had like twenty semi points, and then everybody else had like five. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, the the role and and just the continuity of the team has not it's not developed at all. People are just gonna go up there and they're gonna I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. And that's it. And there's just no. And obviously, uh, 
their coaching staff has to figure out what works best for them too because they can't go the whole season doing this no. if they want to make it to the playoffs. We have seen that the Western Conference is highly competitive just within the Pacific Division of the four other teams. I mean, when you are below somebody like the Kings, you really got to start questioning like, What's going on here? <laughs> and maybe slowly with time, they'll find a way to work with one another. That's the thing, right. though. They don't have the time. They yeah, don't. They don't. They don't have time. Not, no. <laughs> if they want to repeat, they need to have had it down like yesterday. Yeah. And that yes, it's going to be a long, full season. Uh, but I think it may end up kind of the same way when the Heat were put together and they didn't win that year. They didn't even get close to the championship, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of moving pieces that you have to take into account for, and that takes time to develop. So this is definitely not going to happen overnight. Do I think they could be doing better? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we're, we're just really going to have to see how that plays out as far as injuries go and and as far as, um, you know, who says that LeBron is ain't whispering in somebody's ear like, this person got to go there and sit. <laughs> Right. That free agents come around and then he got a whole new team. Like, well, <laughs> that's a perfect leeway to what's happening with LeBron and Damian Lillard. So, like, news happened, right? According to yeah. Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports, and I think he's from TNT as well. Well, LeBron and Damian met up during the offseason to, like, talk about where Lillard should go, I guess, in a way. I I guess he made it seem more it was, like, him asking for, like, guidance and stuff like that, not really to join the Lakers. But I'm just like, yeah, LeBron is such, like, a. not only is he, like, basketball savvy, like, playing the sport, it's also, like, stuff that's happening behind the scenes. So who knows what he really told Damian Lillard, but Lillard decided to stay in Portland, long story short, and he yeah. doesn't really see himself as a going to a big market team, he said, alleged. Like, supposedly, this is what he said. So <laughs> I feel like exactly. it's just really him asking for advice from who else than the best player who's done it publicly and, like, move, moved around. So I just feel like, I don't know, but we never know. But, I mean, he did say, you know, he, he really did want to stay with Portland he and did. stuff like that. So, I think it would be chaotic, even more chaotic if they did get Dame, honestly. Yes. Uh, I think they need to really to just take a deep breath, slow down, and just focus on one thing at a time here. <laughs> um, but that is definitely something to consider in the future. Uh, but I think what is uh, another interesting but seemingly quiet team right now is the Clippers Mm. Uh, right now they're on a four game winning streak Um, you know we have Paul George who is basically the leader of the team right now taking Mm -hmm. shots at the the new Wilson ball and the you know, everybody's mad about the foul, the new foul rule. Yeah, uh, not sure if that's really a, an excuse to the other losses that they have right now against uh, the Warriors, against Memphis, Cleveland, and Portland. Because um, those were, I feel like, obviously with every loss, you get to see the weaknesses of a team. And with the Clippers, I'm just like, like we said before, that there's just just a little boring the way that they play yeah and imagine that and they've gone on a four game winning streak as well so like you would think there'd be like some kind of hype at this point but it's not really that but you know just for the basketball point of view i think they finally started to get into some form of rhythm gain some kind of confidence and like you know you're beating teams like the thunder timberwolves and hornet those are the teams that you beat and they've set up your confidence so i think at least they're doing that 
they were the last time I checked um 23rd in the power ranking so I was like oh my god that's like that's not great they have moved up yeah. to the 20th spot so good for them for moving up but I just think it's like it's a given to beat these kind of teams but they have found like their rhythm and I feel like they've kind of found some kind of sense within each other like Terrence Mann with um Zubats like I feel like they're kind of getting into a nice rhythm and now Serge Ibaka is back he, he didn't play okay. that great his first game, obviously. I'm not just giving him, like, he's rusty. He hasn't played in a long time. But um, I think what you said is interesting as well, that Paul George brought up the new ball. And I think he's, like, the first player to do so so publicly because I, I don't think I've heard anybody complain about the ball yet. Yeah, no. So, so just in case y'all who are listening don't know, the, M- the NBA has partnered with Wilson after 38 years with Spalding. So the ball did kind of change. And Paul George said that he thinks it's different, that the touch is different. And um, if you see people missing, maybe it's the ball's fault. So he's like, don't blame me. <laughs> if I miss so bad, I'm going to just, it's probably the ball. And That's like, such a Paul George excuse. <laughs> right? And like, I'm like, at first I'm just like, and maybe it's because it came out of his mouth. But like, this is not the first time that it's happened, at least in the NBA. I think it was like, what year was it? I did, like, a script. I did, like, my research and stuff like that. And for um, for a while, they tested out a new synthetic ball, which they called Cross-Traxian. And it literally lasted less than three months. Cause oh, they, wow. Yeah, they tried it out during preseason. Everybody was like, this ball is horrible. I think Metal World Peace was still... Um, he was still a player at that time, so he was like, yeah, like, the touch, it, like, hurts my hand. It's like, the leather's not good. Whatever the synthetic material was, sucked. They got so many They're complaints, so they, they went back to Spalding, exactly. So I was just wondering, like, maybe if it's Paul George has maybe, like, raised the issue, will other teams, other players say something? And if it's not, then it's just like, sir, it's just you. Take a seat. Yeah, <laughs> so we really I, don't know. I feel like I doubt it. Honestly, Wilson and Spalding have, you know, I feel like been in the same caliber as far as popularity with, uh, with basketball. Uh-huh. Uh, I just think at the end of the day, like, it probably came down to a few numbers and somebody was like, we'll just do Wilson. It's it's exactly the same. (laughs) Um, So I I feel like I'm sure obviously there is maybe a tad bit of difference, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it's enough to be saying that it's throwing your whole shot off. Now, the foul change. Uh, I think I understand because a lot of players yes. make that their thing, like falling into people or bumping people to get that extra that extra shot or that extra foul call. Sure, because like I said, you look at players like James Harden or um, even Steph has done it a lot. Mm-hmm. They, they just kind of lean in on purpose or kick the foot out a little bit more to get the foul call. Um, and now that they're cracking down on that, players have to figure out what is going to be their new staple of their game. Yeah, to get more points. Yeah, I see that too. I feel like those things kind of go hand in hand. My only thing is, like, if more players complain, then I'll take his kind of his word for it. If it's just him, sir, hmm, yeah. hmm, don't try to blame the ball. <laughs> and, and despite that, he's leading the team and, you know, their top yeah. three stats, uh, points per game, 27, assists per game, almost five, 47% from the uh, field goal range. So, and then he also is leading a lot in defense, which is is a lot for one player. Uh, and I'm worried, is that going to affect his game? And he, is he going to, you know, ho- hopefully not, but get hurt or have to sit out or too much pressure on him? And obviously, that's not going to last them in the long run, just depending on Paul George's uh, 
high efficiency rating right now. Yeah, and I think, or maybe he can use it, like, to set an example for, like, the rest of the team. Oh, like, true. yeah, like, if I'm playing defense, y'all gotta play defense, too. And, like, I feel like maybe that's kind of been the vibe and why they've kind of been in a little rhythm for the last four games, too. Like, Paul George might actually be the leader <laughs> that, that we've seen. Yeah, like, that people actually want to see, that the Clippers want to see, so who knows. And I think um, Ty Lue also said, like, you know, their defense has been improving. It's been, they've been a focusing on that. So you can mm-hmm. really see that difference as well. So granted, it is just, like, the first, what, 10, 8 games of the season. So we're not going to – I don't feel like I want to stress it too much, but it's just, like – if you're going to keep being on this rhythm, it's going to be positive for the Clippers, but, like, yeah. for other teams as well. I feel like it's going to keep going, too. Like, If other players step up, I think, obviously, it's very smart of Paul George to kind of take that leadership role because, at the end of the day, what's a team without any leadership? Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's going to take that confidently uh, and in stride, and I have seen it in the past few games that they have one, you know, he's hugging other players and he's hyping players up and he's sharing the ball a lot you know kind of opening up the floor himself uh you can kind of see that maybe he is trying to find a role and obviously Mm -hmm. that gets people involved like Terrence Mann and Zubak who we know are obvious talents but you never really see talent in in a full view unless it's you know you know magnified by something else or, or surrounded by equal talent so I think there's obviously hope for the Clippers because mm-hmm. if they don't turn around their blo- their boring game, then they're just going to play like that. And it's obviously not championship worthy as we've seen. Um, <laughs> and then you have to have to take into the idea of Kawhi coming back into the lineup and what his leadership kind of means to mm-hmm. the team too. That's true. And if things change, if things get better, if it's like starting from scratch all over again, I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I think the Clippers definitely have a long season uh, in front of them and the, the painted the picture is definitely not painted fully just yet for them. But I think what's really exciting is the Kings right now. Their <laughs> picture is coming along. <laughs> yeah, it's very bright and vivid. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, they're currently what? Oh, my God, they're eighth seed. So like they're ahead. I mean, OK, they're eighth seed, but because like they're all kind of tied in the last Four places, I think. Let me see what's tied together. Yeah, I, I think to start their season, 500 right now, they're even 5-5. Five and five. That's really great for them. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's- <laughs> and that's obviously not saying enough for the Kings, but this is how they've been the last several years. They don't win games. It's just not something that the Kings do. Uh, and right now, they're winning. They're they're being competitive. They're giving really exciting plays. Um, you know, off night. David Mitchell. People know his nickname, Buddy Heald. Um, he had nine threes versus the Hornets. You know, somebody like Lamelo Ball and mm-hmm. Miles Bridges. Um, this is exciting. I feel definitely youthful basketball. I agree. Like that. I think what you said was like the word competitive. I'm like, that's the thing. They're at least staying competitive, which is a huge and positive thing for the Kings. And they've beaten teams like the Trailblazers, like the Suns. So I feel like if anything, this is a very huge and positive start for their seasons, given for their season, given how last seasons have gone for them. And I feel like it's also like confidence when you start beating teams like this. You're like, oh, wait, we actually have the potential. We can actually do this. And then they start to beat, like, the Hornets. You mentioned, like, what, 140 to... 
was it? One ten. Like, yeah, like that's a blowout. Oh. Like the Kings have a blowout win. What? <laughs> what world is this? <laughs> exactly, though. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, are they perfect? No, but this is definitely a positive start, and to do so with their current coaching staff, which is Luke Walton, who've kind of like they really haven't had that positive step to do yeah. so now. I'm just like, okay, well, maybe they're all learning to from one another the rhythm is kind of getting there the chemistry is getting there and like you mentioned buddy healed he's playing so well darren fox is okay i think he's gone through a little slump in a couple games but i mean he's okay for the kings it's perfectly fine it's perfectly fine yeah and they have people you know to back him up i think what's surprising or interesting about the kings is that they have depth like they have their bench is contributing just as much points as you know their starters uh again this hornets game just sticks out to me they were shooting 55 percent from field goal range 50 percent from three point like what (laughs) for the kings like that that's incredible yeah uh and everybody's contributing to that you know nobody is I I feel like they have this even playing field with with each other you know uh against the Pelicans four out of five starters were in double digits not only that they had two with uh 20 points or more which was Halliburton and Barnes so that goes back to the point like if there's a shooter like Fox or um Heal that's not feeling it Mm -hmm. that night they have Tyrese Halliburton they have Rashawn Holmes um, to pick up that slack, and I think that's going to carry them further than they have been in the past. Yeah, like even in their losses, I guess they just lost to the Pacers, but I think like only by three points. They like even in that loss, they came back from being as down as many as 16. So like the competitiveness is there, their want to win is there. It's just going to come down to like the little tweaks here and there as well because. Like you said, also, like, they have potential. The potential is definitely there. Yeah, but I, the thing that always gets these young young teams is that there's not enough experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what gets you up to, like, deep within a playoff run or, mm-hmm. or towards a championship. That's a good point. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it can make or break them. But either way, this is a big step for, for this franchise, for this team, for these players. Uh, and I'm excited to keep continue to, to watch them. I think that's like the most exciting team that I'm excited to watch for the for our division right now. I think so too. They're giving me like last year's Suns vibes. Like, oh, like, you know, yes. I love a good underdog story. Like, <laughs> like as much as I'm a Lakers fan, I'm a basketball fan too. And I'm just like to see teams go from like, rags to riches is like oh my god if you can do it anybody can for real I I think that's amazing and what also highlights this year for a lot of teams is their new city edition jerseys which I think are some of the nicest ones in in most recent years do you have a favorite Mm, I do but like honestly I like I like the ones that took risks because some of them just look so like I don't want to say basic, but I'm just like, I, I wanted more from some jerseys. I'm pulling up the the uniforms right now so, like, I can get a refresher. But I really like the Hawks one. Uh, the the Hawks, Hawks always, I feel like they always, like, love to do a throw, like, a throwback. Those are so good. That one's, Raptor's also really good. I love the dinosaur, the Raptor, obviously, being back. That one looks yeah. so cute. Like, honestly, like the Suns one, like the Valley one, well, I've kind of already seen there. Seen I it, done it. I say that. The Suns one, I, 
was really disappointed because I was like, that's their uniform from last year. What yeah. do you mean? I mean, the <laughs> Lakers one is also not my favorite. I don't know. That blue yeah. and purple does not go together. I don't know. And there was, like, nothing else. That was it. The Lakers always, I feel like, like to take it, like, to another level with the color scheme. They, like, never should stay <laughs> traditional. They're always, like, at least for the city edition, obviously, or or whatever their prime jersey is. Yeah. At, at the moment, they, obviously, all these jerseys have ties back to their older parts of their franchise or, or what have you. So the blue comes from the championship team in Minneapolis, um, mm-hmm. and then the purple, uh pays tribute to the uniform in the 60s so it's kind of like it's definitely a mashup of sorts <laughs> Not uh, and what you get i like purple 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 is one of my favorite colors so Same. i think I but did you like it, it. yeah I, w- I would rock it the <laughs> clippers though that's the one i'm not really feeling because it's like baby blue and orange and it gives me like I don't know, like seventies high school. I, I really, <laughs> I think it's so a pays tribute to nineteen eighty four uniform design, um, and then the <laughs> the script is 2015, 2016. So mm. I think it's just a little far off for the Clippers for me. Yeah, I mean, it gives me more like a thun- like the colors look thunder vibes for me, but it's just like yeah. ah. it was too simple. I feel like some of them were either too simple or not. Others ran like too far. <laughs> Uh, there was like, no uh, in between but i mean I, I i like to give credit to the ones that actually go above and beyond which one was like your favorite favorite toronto for sure yeah that one's cute like you can't go gold and black you can't go that, wrong with that and then like you have no. the iconic raptor that one was a yes. win too for me that was a win too hmm. definitely and i actually like sack town um so for the kings they kind of obviously mm. they to the 2000s uh traditional black and then the the dark purple which i think is cool i think it's uh just enough owed to the past but keeps it a little modern so that one's definitely i rock with that one and the warriors for sure with the lightning bolt on the side i love that mm. i was gonna say it's kind of simple but i mean you know at least they went for like a bolt you know that's like yeah. at least they tried something like no offense, exactly. even the lakers too like the two stars I know they yeah. mean something, but it's it's not all together there. Like I feel like the city edition wasn't just obviously for the seventy fifth anniversary. It was more focused on the ode to the past kind of thing yeah. instead of like the ode to maybe the present or the future. Because obviously there have been city edition jerseys that kind of represent the the present moment of the franchise, but this one like was just some of the collabs didn't. They didn't collab real well. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't give what it was supposed to give, and it just kind of fell flat. I I agree. I agree. I mean, it's not it's not the best that we've seen, but you know, it is no. what it is. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it for the seventy fifth season. You know, we'll let them have it. Little little uh, memorabilia for for the franchises. I think overall, was... then we'll move on to next year's next seasons. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and leave the past in the past, and then boom. <laughs> but. Yeah. Will you be buying a jersey? I don't know. Honestly, I have two WNBA jerseys on my Christmas list. Oh, perfect. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to do that. Well, I think we've covered everything for today. Thank you so much for listening and joining us for um, West Coast Mix and Bounce. I'm Leslie with... Bronna Marks. And then we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>